What's up, kickbackers? This is Sabrina with my girl Sharika and our brother EB, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of The Kickback. Hello, everyone. Happy July. It's crazy that we're like halfway through July. Sharika, I feel like it's almost over. It really almost is, and I'm only excited because... I get to see Beyonce in August and I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. But then part of me is like, no, never wish for the time to go by fast. Mm. Life is good. Life is sweet. Like, you know, seize the day, carpe diem, all that. But I'm like, time is really flying. It's wild. I was, I got to see my sister briefly on Sunday because she was passing through. And my little nephew, he's going to second grade. Oh, wow. How? Like, he wasn't even in school when we first met him. So my sister is a foster parent, for those of you who don't know. And this set of beautiful children, she has been, you know, their parent since like two months before Doug and I got married. Foster care is supposed to be a temporary situation, but sometimes it turns permanent. And I love my little nephew, and I can't believe he's going to second grade. It's wild. Uh, just. Time is really, really flying as precious moments. So, Sharika, time flying aside, I am laughing because you just mentioned before we got on the call that you're feeling a little hot. I know we've been talking about the weather a lot during the temp chat. Our friend Becca posted the funniest thing. She said, dear son, we know you're a real one. You don't have to keep it 100 anymore. And I'm like, honestly... that's really facts because it has been crazy but outside of just the fact that it's summer is hot we get it how are you feeling today friend girl I feel good I do feel good um you know those when you take time for yourself they just can be the refreshing days so I'm doing that for myself today I'm doing a me day so I'm I'm doing great my temp is uh 73 a nice cool breeze. Um, I I don't have a song today, but you know, if something sparks my mind later on, I'll let y'all know. But I'm great, feeling great, living and loving life. Hey, that's the best way to be. As a kid, every Sunday when I would go in church, I would just be on that. Um, it's a great day to serve the Lord, walking. Mm-hmm. In I remember the days we used to have like. Sunday school courses because everyone would come in the chapel before Sunday school mm-hmm. like the penny march or who has a birthday and you'd sing yes. like the little cute Sunday school song opening something. Sunday or something like that opening something I think it was like opening something yeah opening something so and then you'd like, like be dismissed to your various classes I kind of miss those days uh, yes. but I don't like to say that your energy reminds me of that, like just being so excited to be in the fellowship of believers and walking in the light of God. Amen. Amen. I claim it. That'll <laughs> be my song. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, it's a great day to serve the Lord. My exactly. song is uh, Off the Grid. I think her name is Alina Berez. It is such a chill vibe like I am just having such a good summer um I will always say that my favorite part of my old job was the summer but it was also probably the most draining part like team no sleep team very tired team introvert is not getting their time to introvert because there's like not a lot of time to recharge camp is unpredictable and you really got to be in a headspace to be there 
for your kids 24 seven, honestly, but Mm -hmm. I had been on a different vibe this summer. I just had that big event that I produced and planned for work and it went beautiful. And I just found it interesting. So many of my colleagues were like, Sabrina, like, do you ever get worked up? How are you so chill? And I just thought this is nothing compared to what I did for like 13 years of my life. Like this is a piece of cake. Like I just Mm -hmm. believe that I'm just on chill vibes, but honestly, in my heart, I am on chill vibes. That's what happens when you have a good team, true partners, like It's just really, really nice. Um, So I'm going to play a little part of this song because I want y'all to feel the vibes. Like I never heard of Alina. One of my friends introduced me to this, but like this energy here is everything. She's like, I feel your aura and it's vibrant. You don't got to ask me why my mind spins. I'll do anything to see shining. I mean, anything, say the word and you know, I'll follow off the grid in the El Dorado could be nice in the summertime we could sit inside in the silence and I love that for me Mm. I love that for Doug and I like when you have those people in your life it doesn't always have to be energy 120 you know popping off the wall like we can sit inside in the air condition just being thankful to have the life that we have and the community we have and I'm about that and she really captured it with these vocals it's very much on point words do sound beautiful and the vibe that vibe of just be someone that you can just be yourself with and just chill that that is that is ideal absolutely I'm gonna fix that in post in the editing uh because zoom is definitely giving me a little message like girl you're trying to do something special there's a certain way you need to do it so next time (laughs) I will uh make sure to have it in really well but yes it's very much a vibe so that's my temp. It's giving, I'm going to say sunny and 75 because while outside is scorching on the inside, oh, I'm just having a very good chill summer. Uh, I can't, I just feel like everything is moving so fast and like, I can't, it feels like summer is pretty much over. It's like, I don't know when the official end of summer sure. is, but it's like, I mean, and and you know what? It doesn't really even affect me like that. Cause I, you know, I go to work every day as if, you know, we, there ain't no, you know, summer two, three months off, you know, we just here. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I did recruit one more person to our fantasy uh, Vegas trip because my mom's sister does live in Vegas. And I talked to my mom this morning and I was like, mom, do you know who <laughs> she's like yeah and then she started to sing run it by chris brown and i was like okay girl so that's chris brown i was like usher is the one who spells his name they call me us come on mom seven o'clock on that and she's like oh yeah oh yeah i would go i would go i was like yes, i love because it by myself would i want to go to vegas and stay with my aunt niecy no shade to aunt niecy but i feel like it's a better time if my mom is there I feel like yet less of a user you know because when have I been in Vegas to see her never but if I'm just kind of like bumming off my mom I'm like oh hey auntie you know my mom (laughs) my mom has been to Vegas and stay with her sister so Sharika I think I got us housing my aunt has a nice house with many rooms so I'm really trying to make this Usher thing happen for us in 2024 Uh, hey 2023 
how long is he in Vegas for? What? I think until the end of October. The challenge <laughs> is not getting there because we can, I'll do Frontier and Spirit. It's totally fine. I'm not trying to be there for a million years anyway. I'll take my little carry on and be about my business. The challenge yeah. is the tickets. Like I mm. just had to step back because I thought we'd have, you know, a smattering of options with these tickets, but the first one I saw last week when we talked about it, it was like $700. And Ooh, I already Jesus. know, I know that's not going to be the vibe. Not with the fun monies I got. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's a, usher. That's, an, that's more than an experience. That's a, that, that's a lot, Usher. I that's know. Kind of that's more, wasn't that more than like the Beyonce's and all of them? But here's the thing, that was on Vivid Seats. That wasn't directly from the venue. And you know, sometimes these resells, so I just had to take a moment back. I haven't even done any research since then. I was like, I'm going to let the Lord do his work. So that next time I look up these tickets, (laughs) I'm not seeing this. Because I've been a fan since a kid, his tiny desk. Like, I just really enjoy the entertainment he provides. He has a great voice. I love R&B, especially a slow jam. A love song? Listen, I'm all up in that. So doesn't he sing slow jam? Yes. <laughs> okay, sure, Give Given what you be giving us on Sunday from the workshop. From the workshop. <laughs> okay, so uh, we do have uh, something to talk about besides Usher and the tents. Uh, there are some hot topics out there, though, that I want to touch briefly on until we get to our main thing, Sharika. If that's okay. Okay. Have you heard about our friend? And I'm calling her our friend because, you know, I love to say I'm rooting for everybody black, but sometimes uh, you just can't. You just can't. And it's heartbreaking. So uh, our little friend out in Alabama, Carly Mm -hmm. Russell, 25 years old, 5'4", between 150, 160 pounds. How do I know? Because she was reported as a missing person recently. And then... Of course, there's a dialogue about how come when there's a person of color missing or especially a female person of color missing, we aren't like shouting from the rooftops like we were for like, Mm. for example, the blonde lady in California a few years ago who actually is doing time because she lied. She was not missing. She was having an affair and she got caught. Um, But, you know, we're like, how come it doesn't get as much play? So Carly is getting her play. She was trending. We're like, fine, Carly. There's a GoFundMe that raised like $70,000. And people are like, why do you need money if somebody goes missing? That's because the uh, public cop system and stuff, they're only going to look mm-hmm. for so long. And if you want to continue the search by time with detectives, et cetera, that just takes money, your personal money. Mm-hmm. So people were really in it to win it. And then lo and behold thank god she was found that's where it ended for me but two days Mm -hmm. ago my sorority sister was like sabrina or not just sabrina she was addressing all of us and she asked have we heard because there was some conflicting information and i was like honestly i just knew she was missing and she was found and i just left it at that and they're like no now we're under the suspicion that she was never truly missing Mm. Here's what she said happened. She's driving down the road. She sees the toddler. She calls it in and then she's kidnapped. Now, this is what I'm getting between my sorority sisters and my mom. I haven't done any research outside of them. My mom says the cop said her credit card shows that she went and bought some snacks. When they found her car, her wig was there, but the snacks were not. <laughs> Interesting. 
where are the snacks? My sorority <laughs> sister said they looked into her search history and she was looking at things like how to pay for an Amber Alert and the movie Taken mm-hmm. and things like that. And mm-hmm. then I saw all the jokes like, so you said you were kidnapped, but you show back up at your mom's house and you have money rolled up in your sock. And she said it was from the kidnapper. So they gave you a parting gift. Like, what? sis, make it make sense. They said it's giving Jesse Smollett. It's giving yeah. liar. It's giving girl. Why are you out here doing all this? And everybody knows they're going to check your search history. It doesn't matter if you delete it. Like, why are y'all searching your crime still in 2023? Like, stop. Also, I saw that the internet was saying, like, I hope this isn't true, that she pretty much made this all up because that looks really bad for the Black community. I just want to reject that. When that mm-hmm. white lady in California was missing and she was just, you know, having a little boot up moment with her side bay, and she came back and for a long time, everybody believed it. And when she got caught, my mother-in-law was not somewhere saying, oh, man, she just made all white women look bad. No, because you continue to see other races or majorities as individual people and us as one collective unit who are all the same. Carly, if you lie, that's on Carly. Mm-hmm. That's not on Sharika. That's not on Sabrina. Not I don't think all. it makes black people look bad. I think it makes Carly look bad. Honestly, Carly, you might be crazy. People love to throw mental illness in there. It's wrong, but they do it all the time when little white boys are shooting up the schools. So maybe mm. she's mentally ill. Maybe she just needs help. And all. honestly, you have to be to make up a story like this. But also, shout out to the cops for not believing them because several things. When people are walking by the side of the road and it's nighttime, you cannot see them. Even the bicyclists with their little lights. Sometimes I'm like, oh, snap, almost miss him. So how are you going to mm. see a toddler? Second of all, why did no one call in the toddler? Like, if there's a toddler walking around, you think a mom, a dad, a grandma, a cousin, auntie, uncle is like, where's little baby? You know, <laughs> so no one called in little baby. Like the story, the cops, they're really on it because they're like, something's not adding up. And honestly, it was the snacks for me. They said, so the kidnappers took you and ate them the snacks. Girl, so Sharika, I know I pretty much told the whole story and I can give you a moment to comment, but you're fine. What you know about it, what you think about it, do you think this reflects poorly on the whole black community? No, because I can only speak for my actions, so I'm not taking on Carly's. And like you said, people do crazy, people do crazy things all the time. Listen. I'm not going to take ownership of other people's craziness. I feel like it's unfortunate because of, as you started talking about at the beginning, you know, that a lot of black people, when things happen to them, we don't get the coverage. So it is a shame that she would not, I don't think she did it for this, but that she would not think it through. Sometimes people just don't think beyond what they want they don't think of the bigger picture and how this can make it difficult for other people or Mm. how you know it could you know make things less believable for other people in the future now why we don't accept that there's always going to people be people who believe what they want to believe if you want to believe all black people are are so and so you're going to always find the narrative that fits whatever you want to believe right so and we can't control that but it is sad that someone would be so, would not think of the resources that it would take. What if there's somebody really missing out there and now they're looking for you 
And there's other people that could be using the help and all the things. Sometimes, you know, people just are ridiculous or they're silly or they just don't think things all the way through. And then they just, just, just got themselves out here looking foolish. And it's a shame and it's quite unfortunate. So that's my thought about her. Um, they, but girl, the internet, you know, they just undefeated. Uh, so undefeated. funny. They, it's like, it's like sitting by the person you, in church that's just going to be acting the fool and making you want to laugh. That's the internet. Girl, my cousin posted when you're super, posted a picture of her and was like, when your supervisor don't approve the PTO. I'm like, really? Did you just, I mean. People, oh, wow. They're so funny about it. I want to hear from like, her, though. The stuff they come up with, it's just like, wow, but. It's just, it, but you know, and sometimes it's a little bit good because sometimes you do need to laugh at the, just life, just be life. And sometimes you do need the little kiki and the little giggle, but on the serious note, it's like, ma'am, how dare do you? you need help, ma'am. <laughs> and she's 25. So her brain just finished, just finished developing. I know, but I just think that sometimes like for young people, especially but sometimes people just don't think the bigger picture. And mm. ma'am, you like you say, girl, if you, you got to girl, you have to I was watching a podcast and they were just talking about this and like how it's just like you don't know that they be watching the cameras on the streets. They be hey. you know, they are in your phone, they are on your computer searches, girl. That's why I just don't even I can't think about all the things live I live a life. That you don't even have to worry about all that. Exactly. A lot I too would have been caught. I would have right. been caught up too because I'm not thinking about all the little details. And that's why I'm just going to live my life right because I I'm, I can't do it. And it's a little bit overwhelming to be like, okay, do I got to get a burner phone? Do I go to the library? Do I do this? And then, you know what? Let me just live on the straight and narrow. If I got to work at Walmart to get a few dollars until I can get my come up. I'm just not doing the life of crime. I just can't keep up. I just can't. That's wild. So um, I was going to say shout out to Carly and EB's energy. I wish EB was here with us today because I feel like he would be hilarious oh, um, he would have, he with his would commentary have. on this. Yeah. Uh, well, we might have to circle back, but Carly, <laughs> I am actually really glad you're safe. And yeah. I remember being in my 20s. Can't say I ever did anything too crazy because I'm pretty vanilla in life but I know enough 20 young 20 year olds who do things and this is just one tiny part of your life I know it's embarrassing because the whole country knows and there are memes about you and all that but girl mm -hmm. just repent and move forward it's fine there's enough grace for all of us and never pull something like this again and unfortunately for the family I do feel like you got to give the GoFundMe GoFundMe money back people are sending in their requests you got to do it if she lied it just has to be your turn you're right. You're right about that. They definitely got to do that. And ma'am, you will. It's not like, see, and this is the thing you ain't think about. This stuff lives forever on the internet. You don't think 10 years from now, your picture is going to be pulled up when somebody else trying to get out of something. It's going to be there, ma'am. You're going to try to move on with your life, but it's going to be there. And this is a lesson to us all. And all of you young people out there, you got to think about the beyond the current moment and situation of things mm -hmm. because girl life is long sometimes life is short but also can be very long and especially when you're trying to live down some things 
especially remember the scripture from last week. They were like, David was awesome. Except that one thing he did to Uriah, which that was messed up. But hey, and we still talking about it today. Today. (laughs) We're like, man, after God's own heart. And also, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, July is many things. It's summer. It's Fourth of July. It's cookout. It's all of that. But it is also Fibroid Awareness Month. And I think not even last year, I think the year before last, we talked about how, oh, we're going to circle back to this because I actually had a surgery to remove a fibroid in August. And then I was like, oh, we should talk about this sometime on the pod. But, you know, fibroids don't really impact men because this is like a uterine fibroid thing. So now that Evie's doing his summer camp thing, Sharika and I are like, let's get into it. Let's get into fibroids and just the childbearing years and having a uterus and all of that. So for those of you who don't know, fibroids are benign tumors that develop in the uterus and estimated uh, 70 to 80% of women will develop fibroids by age 50. And I'm not violating HIPAA here by saying that a lot of the women in my life have them. I have a sorority sister who has like seven. She also has had four kids and it's been fine. And she had them naturally. Uh, I have my mom has had fibroids, never had them removed. My mother-in-law has fibroids. My uh, grandma-in-law has fibroids. Like they are pretty common. They are just like these little, like I said, little benign tumors. They can become an issue though for those of us who are menstruating because if they're in a certain place, they can just make it very uncomfortable. They can make it worse. And that's what was happening to me. They're not really sure what causes their growth outside of, of course, estrogen and et cetera. But for me, I was in a time in my life where I had a very high stress job. Um, Really no, I, I can't think of a vacation I took at that job where I was actually on vacation. Like I always had my computer with me. I always had my work phone, that sort of thing. And on top of that, I thought it would be a great idea to go to graduate school full time. While I had a full-time job because I was like, I just want it to be done. And I needed that. Well, I felt I needed the information so I could like elevate the stuff I was doing at work. Sometimes you can be a little bit too much of a go-getter. So I own the fact that I put my body under a lot of stress. So in that time when I had something that lots of women have and they live with them and they really have no impact on their day-to-day life, my fibroids, which started uh, before that, like the size of like a grape or whatever, one grew to the size of a grapefruit fruit and the other like a little baseball so imagine your uterus every month you know it contracts as it releases the egg that you didn't fertilize so my uterus is trying to contract around like a grapefruit and a baseball and it's like not a vibe it's like very much painful so I was like I can't live like this anymore I can see I literally got to the point and I'm just going to be super transparent on today's episode I got to the point where I was like I can see how people with chronic pain take their life because if I had to feel like this every day all day like I just and this is coming from somebody who knows like where their help comes from. It comes from the Lord. But I was like, also, I am in this chronic pain. Also gave me a fresh perspective on like the woman who touched the Lord and was like, I can't, like, I don't care. I know I'm not supposed to touch what? him, but if that is the healing. That's what I'm getting. Like, so the it's joy worth that whatever. It's worth whatever. So for me, there's about seven days a week of my life that I was just like out for the count. And it was not great at all. And my fibroids just continued to grow because of the stress to the point where the doctors were like, listen, 
you don't have to get them taken out because you can just drug yourself up every time you're on your cycle. I will admit there are things you can do to kind of uh, halt the growth of them. Like you can go on birth control or whatever. And that's such a personal decision. I've never done that. I'm more like hippie. Like I'm charting my period. I'm looking at the moon and all that kind of stuff. Hippie, not witchy, just to clarify. Uh, (laughs) uh, So I never that my birth control was more like charting and just like really being in tune to my body in that way. So they were managing it through like a pain medicine, like over the counter, like naproxen and ibuprofen or, or the other option is you can just let us take them out at that time. Doug and I weren't trying to have kids. So I'm like, Ooh, you're going to cut my uterus. Um, But they did tell me, Hey, if we take these out, you may never be able to have a child naturally. Now, I, as a kid, always said to myself, I wish I could have a C-section if I ever have to have a baby because I can't even stand my periods. My periods in the past have been very, like, just horrible, horrible. Um, And I thought, if this is just like an ounce, how am I going to have a kid? But when the doctors told me that if I do this surgery, I will more than likely have to have a C-section, I actually cried. I was shocked by how much it impacted me. I didn't like that the choice was possibly taken away. Mm. Um, But I also knew this is no way to live. Like I'm not going to be running around here like this. And in my case, I didn't have like, cause this can go so many ways. Listeners, like you can have excessive bleeding. Like I had norm, I just had a lot of pain because my uterus was trying to work around like these large growths or whatever. Um, I've known people who, the fibroids can be like inside your uterus. They can be in the muscle tissue that lines your uterus or outside. Mine were outside my uterus. So uh, there are some issues that can happen with fibroids that I really didn't have to think through. But still just hearing that, I didn't love it. So this was August of 2020 during the pandemic. I went and I had surgery and it went awesome. And after the surgery, they were like, yeah, just because of how big yours were, we're definitely going to suggest a C-section, which I just thought, you know, there are women who have C-sections and then they go on to have a natural, natural birth. You didn't even have to cut that deep inside my uterus. So I was like, that's something I'll deal with later on in life. I don't want to talk, think about it now, but my mom came down to help um, because you really, for me, it was like difficult to like sit up, laugh, cough, everything like super painful. And the next day after in my old job, I was like editing videos for work. Because what do they care about you being off because you just had a surgery? I had a coworker who hadn't done necessarily everything he needed to do. We were trying to do an online conservatory. I was the only one at that time who had the skill set to get that particular thing done. And my mom just looking at me like, this is how your fibroids grew the first Mm -hmm. time. And I am not, she was not okay with it. She was like, F them people. I'm like, oh no, I love them. It's, it'll take, you know, it'll just take me 20 mm-hmm. seconds. She's like, you can't even sit up. You cannot even sit mm-hmm. up and you're working on this. So that mm-hmm. is just another little um, shameless plug for the importance of having work-life balance in your life. If, like if you're in a situation like that, you need to get out. Um, I don't care how much you love the people. I don't care if you just love working for the church. I don't care if you love working for the corporate, whatever environment, because your health is important. And if Mm. you're in an environment where you can't even take a day off because you had surgery, a major surgery the day before, like, not good. (laughs) So Mm. anyway, um, 
at that time, it was still just fine and a vibe because like I said, Doug and I, we have always known we wanted children. We talked about it before when we were dating, obviously. And we said we'd be married a year and then we'd try the next year because, you know, you want to live together, get a vibe. Well, we did. Uh, as you can see, we're four years in. We don't have children. And the pandemic is a large reason for that. So that first year, we were just living in complete bliss. And we we're like, this is easy. People all over the world talking about their struggle with kids. And we don't got to deal with no struggles. So we we kept putting it off. We kept putting it off um, for trying because we're like, we're in such a vibe now with it just being us. We are in such a routine and we feel so selfish. Like, we love that. Like, if I come from Rhode Island, which I did like last night, and no flight has been on time in this season, we can just go to Bar Taco and have a date night. You know, we don't have to think about those things. So I say all that to say when I had the surgery, it wasn't really a big deal in my mind because they were like, don't worry, you can start trying like six months later or sometimes less than that. Some people get pregnant within three months. I, I was like, I'm trying to get pregnant not during the pandemic. No shade to my friends. And two of my sorority sisters had babies during the pandemic and they're beautiful and they're great but Doug and I we just were like uh we can wait we can wait we can wait we can wait and I'll circle back on that later um because first I want to give Sharika an opportunity to talk about what her experience if any with fibroids has been so I too have had fibroids I too I think it was uh, it was before you had your surgery I don't know if it was a year before but it didn't feel that the early that much before you had had yours um but yeah I um my reason was a little bit different I I never really had to my experience that painful of periods that much um most you know I never really took a lot of medication on my periods every once in a while but it was not a regular thing for me but I had been trying to get pregnant. Um, well, originally I didn't start out trying to get pregnant, but anyway, I, it had been uh, probably since 2018 that I was like open to getting pregnant. Um, tried that for a while naturally. It didn't happen. Went to the doctors and they were like, oh, you have these fibroids. One of them are in... Um, you know, if you know the whole trying to get pregnant cycle, but you know, your, your, uh, the embryo would have to implant and all that. So they're saying that our, their thoughts were that, you know, these fibroids are prohibiting that it's not le leaving us a, a smooth place for implantation. And that could be the reason you're not getting pregnant. Um, you have polyps, you have all these things. So I had surgery to, remove the polyps. I had surgery to move, remove the fibroids. And um, my experience was not that bad. It was, you know, like Sabrina said, um, I, you laughing or doing anything that would expand your, that area was very painful for me. But we, we realized that Sabrina had a different stitch. Like on mine, they did on my like abdomen, abdomen area, it was like two on one side, two on one side, and then they go through your belly button um, and they remove the fibroids through your belly button, which is very interesting. So anyway, they did that, but Sabrina had a different stitch. So I was like, girl, it's not that bad. 
it's painful, but it's like, it's manageable. But then she was like, girl, but that extra stitch. And I was like, what extra? Oh, I didn't have that. So she did have a little bit a different experience than mine. But the two on the side, the one in the belly button was not as bad as that one that she had. But um, yeah, that was my experience. And, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, I did have the help and support of my husband during that time. So, you know, it, the recovery wasn't maybe like a week or so, I believe it was, um, of downtime before I was able to do like, you know, you couldn't, you, you weren't, after that, you weren't supposed to like lift up to a certain amount and you could, I think, drive after a week. So I did have fibroids, um, my fibroids removed. And honestly, it, I'm, yeah, I think I only had fibroids removed once, but I've had polyps removed like twice. And do you know the difference between the polyps and the fibroids for our listeners? Um, I wish I did. Well, the polyps, I don't, I wish I had the site. I probably should have looked it up. I don't know because you looked it up and you did a great job explaining what the fibroids are, but polyps are not as it's almost like a, a skin tag is kind of like what a polyp is. So it's not as big of a, you know, like it's more like a skin tag, but internal essentially is what my doctor explained to me. Uh, that makes sense. And um, Sharika's right. It all depends on where your fibroids are, the type of surgery. So they definitely mm -hmm. use a little robot on me as well. But because of the size of them, they had to do what looks like a maybe a mini version of a C-section cut. And that helped them. I guess my fibroid wasn't coming through the belly button. I don't really know how that works because I thought they just kind of suck it up like a vacuum. Who knows? Oh, but I was... <laughs> So they, this is what they do, because I looked it up. I looked the surgery up. So they cut you open. They put a, a bag in you. They put the fiber, they do the robot, put the fibroids in the bag while it's still in you, cut them up in the bag, and then pull it out. That's wild. So, uh, yeah, that was a whole thing. And at that time that I had my surgery, I actually went to an endometriosis specialist because it's something that runs in my family. I'm not sure if it's quite hereditary, but it's this thing where the cells that grow inside your uterus end up in other places in your body. So when your uterus is contracting, those other places are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. It, it can cause a lot of pain. It turns out I didn't have endo. And the thing that was honestly causing me pain was the fact that I, at that time in my life, was terrible at drinking water. Your water, I mean, your muscles actually need water to contract. So if you're dehydrated, your body has to work like 10 times more to do those things. Ever since I added water and magnesium, I can have like zero pain on my cycle. So I'm like, dang it, I should have been drinking enough water years ago. Um, I mean, I'm sure the fibroids didn't help, but... If your fibroids are in a certain place, they can just suck it out. Other places, they have to, like, grab them. I've heard mm -hmm. stories of women who have, like, 27 fibroids. Wow. Sometimes a woman can have a fibroid that's so big she looks pregnant, but she's not. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that, that goes into it, which is part of the, that conversation Sharika and I, I believe, talked about last week or the week before, where it's just safe just not to comment on people's bodies. You mm -hmm. have no clue 
what they're dealing with, what they're going through. And unless you're a doctor or somebody who's going to provide some free help, then you should just keep your opinion to yourself. I know I had a student once whose mom had like a permanent growth and she does look like she could be three or four months pregnant. And she was telling me horror stories of people who will just come and touch her belly and ask her if she's pregnant. And she's, it's like not cool. I know Mm -hmm. our listeners would never do such a thing, but I'm just putting that out there (laughs) in the atmosphere uh, for everyone to know. So that was my journey with fibroids. The only thing I was kind of bummed about was them telling me like, Hey, you maybe will have to have a C-section. I've always had anxiety around uh, producing children. I love the practice. That's everything. But <laughs> and when the like when you have to deal with the consequences of uh, life making activities, I've just as a kid, I think because of my history with period pain and just I never met a woman who said it was great except my sorority sister but that was in college she said it was fine it was like taking a number two and I was like I had one friend that said it wasn't bad either she was like no seriously it's fine and she's the one that that has seven fibroids so I'm like oh love you know I see what you did for other lord do it for me um kind of thing but I've always had anxiety around that and was not really in a rush to have them once I got into my routine. I think if the pandemic hadn't happened and we had had them right away, I'd be happy. I'd love on them and it'd be fine. But now I have all these other things in my life going on. So last April, I turned 35. And that's when I was like, babe, you know, are we going to try at least at least I told him we should try for a year. So that way, if we never have kids, we can at least say we tried. And he was like, you know what? That's right. Because we both have gotten like kind of lazy about it. Some days I would be like, I changed my mind. And he'd be like, no, take that. And then other days he'd be like, I don't really know if I want him. And I'd be like, Doug, how dare you? Like, I was always <laughs> a lot more dramatic. I was like, that's like taking the rug out from under someone. That's so horrible. You don't marry someone. And then two weeks later, I would be the one that's like, I'm good on the kids. But anyway, that was like our little thing. So last August, we were like, okay, let's take a trip. I don't know if you remember listen listeners, but we went to the Caribbean and we're like, we're going to have like a little baby making time. And if it doesn't happen, that's fine. We will try all year and then we'll leave it alone. Went there, got pregnant the first time. And as you can see, I do not have a baby. So you can imagine what happened. I remember I went to see my mom to surprise her for her 60th. And I knew because I chart my cycles and all that, I knew the time that I would be fertile. I knew, you know, that this is, you know, I feel like this is kind of a TMI episode. But it's like, just don't pull out, babe. Like, it's fine. Um, so I went to see my mom after that. And I was like, Mom, I think I'm pregnant. She was like the only person I talked to about it after besides Doug, but Doug also has, before we got married, we went to a workshop because I told him I don't take birth control. But when we become sexually active, you should know like my cycles too. So I could never surprise him because he also knows when I'm fertile and we are on the app together and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I told my mom and she was like, girl, you literally just tried like a week and a half ago. I was like, no, something feels different. And I promise you guys, I know my body. I could feel like I could feel I just could tell I just could tell that it that it popped off. I could just feel it. And um, time goes along and I'm definitely pregnant. And I had mixed feelings about it. 
I felt like I wasn't quite ready. There's a certain things I wanted to do health wise. Like I was a little overweight at that time. And I was like, man, I wish I had lost a little bit more pounds. And I was stressed about, you know, like, oh, I haven't even looked at daycare, but y'all are, I'm being raw and real. This is so type A me. I'm literally like two weeks pregnant and I'm already beating myself up as a parent. So I can't imagine, shout out to all the parents out there because I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I remember Sharika, Tracy and I, we went to a corn maze or something. Flo was there. And I don't know how we started talking about children, but I was like, it's not, it's not like, it's not going to be what everybody thinks it is. It's so stressful. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, looking back, maybe it was the pregnancy hormones, but I remember thinking like, no, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then like five weeks in, I went to the bathroom and I saw a little pink spot. And that was the first time I felt like connected because I was like, oh crap, like, is did am I miscarrying? Like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to tell Doug? Like, he's so excited. Like, really, it was just my mom and Doug. So I was thinking, oh, no, like, I really actually care. And I do want to be a mom. I'm just focused on the wrong things. I'm focused on the negative things. I looked it up. And it was like, that happens sometimes that could be an implantation bleed or whatever. So then I just moved on with my life. There was a whole bunch of drama with the doctor. So I went to this one doctor's office. Uh, My friend sister was like, this place is amazing. There's a lot of anxiety being a black woman to woman to you hear so much mm-hmm. about how we just don't survive as much as white women. Now, in this country, for all races, we just don't have a great survival rate for mothers, which is crazy because we're a first world country. But then you add being black on top of that. Then you add the fact that they told me I'm most likely going to have to have a C-section. So I'm just caught up in a lot of anxieties. And I talked to a black woman who had a great doctor, made an appointment with them. They canceled on me. Then two weeks later, when they said I was going to come in, they the morning of they were like, oh, she's not coming in. So you can see this other doctor. And I was like, so anxious because I'm like, no, I want the lady I already know is great for black women. They're like, "Okay, well, you can come in at this time. Doug and I go down there. I sit. I sign in. I wait in the waiting room for two hours. Then they're like, Mm. well, it's her nurse practitioner and she's not going to see you today because you're just not like they just don't want to see you and I was like yeah but I had like this little spot a couple of weeks ago and da 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 and they're like well she just basically I was like send her out here now you want to talk about somebody getting loud I didn't yell but I was very much like send her out here I drove 45 minutes I'm off work my husband's off work somebody's gonna see me today I don't Mm. give a blank like and no one saw me that day I was livid why did I give them a third chance I don't know gave them a third chance. And that is when the lady was just like, Hey, and I knew something was possibly up because that day that I was so livid, Doug was like, well, let's just go to this place down the road. Anybody can go, you know, and get an ultrasound. You just pay out of pocket. They don't take insurance, but if you just want to see, and I was like, sure. And that day was really special too, because, um, Oh God, I don't want to start like getting emotional, but, uh, Doug, like seeing the little embryo and I took pictures of the ultrasound and I sh- sent it to my mom this made me feel mm-hmm. emotional because this is like the first time I'm really talking about it because remember mm-hmm. no one knows I'm pregnant Sharika had her suspicions because she came to see me and I was like girl I'm so tired and Sharika said she thought ah, is she pregnant and Sharika called me like 
a couple of days later and she was like hey if you're pregnant you know you can tell me I'll be so happy for you and I didn't say that I just said if there's anything you want to say okay fair 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 she didn't say the pregnant part that's me um being too juicy she was just saying like (laughs) hey like if there's something and I just thought I don't have any because honestly Sharika even for myself I wasn't really believing it I right for myself my journey wasn't like the movies because I was putting so much pressure on myself. Like I just felt I wasn't ready, but I felt I needed to try because I was 35. That sounds Mm. terrible, but that was my vibe. That was just like my vibe. So um, I was like, Doug and I already said we weren't telling anybody before 12 weeks, not even parent. And I told him several times, I was like, it's unfair that my mom knows, but Barb doesn't. He was like, no, because I know my family, it won't be held. It will be shouted mm. from the rooftops, like, tell no one. Mm. So Sharika said that to me, and I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, but I hope she's not talking about the pregnant thing, because I'm not telling nobody. So anyway, we went there, and it was very cute. I sent my mom the pictures, and then I finally get to this doctor's office. They didn't even know what kind of ultrasound I needed. It was a whole bunch of drama. They are like, $400 to be seen, and that was with insurance, just for them yeah. to tell me, oh, there's no heartbeat, like, the baby is whatever and so I remember the first time the first thing I said was can we talk about pain management because I'm thinking oh this is about to be a period like a period times two Doug immediately starts crying I'm like it's okay babe you can cry I'm only not crying because I need to I remember saying I'm only not crying because I need to know how bad it's gonna hurt that's like all I could think about the whole time like I need to know physically what this is going to be like. I need to brace myself. And the Mm -hmm. lady was just like, um, it's not that bad. We can give you a pill. I can give you something that can make it happen quickly. Um, you can get a surgery and we can just kind of suck it out. It's basically an abortion, even though the baby, it was an embryo, never even had a heartbeat or they said, you can, um, just rock it out. And I said, I'm going to rock it out. This is hippie Sabrina. I'm going to let my body, was there a part of me that was like, maybe there will be a heartbeat? No, I just wanted my body to do its thing on its own. I was like, my body's already stressed enough. Um, and there are so many reasons you can miscarriage. Like your body is really smart. If it's like, this is a bad seed, meaning like, oh, it's not going to have, it's only going to have half a brain or whatever. It'll just expel it. It can happen. Just like if you plant flowers, not all of them are going to pop up. Mm. So I was just very like matter of fact about it. I remember I didn't even take a day off work because I work from home and I knew it wouldn't be consistent. Like, what am I going to take off the next two months until it happens? And mine took like another four weeks to happen it took a long time. So during that time, like I just kind of like became a recluse because I didn't want to be out with friends or at church or at family dinner. And then I start miscarrying. I knew it would happen anytime. I just wanted to be home. I remember at that time, Sharika was like, hey, do you want to do a dance with me at church? And I was like, not right now. <laughs> like, I was like, because anytime, you know, I don't want to be caught up in rehearsals or whatever. I just needed that time to, to be home. Did Y'all- they tell you that it could take the doctor's office who canceled on me twice and then I showed up and it was just a whole bunch of drama with dealing with their insurance and they messed it up they found that out when I went back there because the doctor was like why did they charge it this it should have been this it was just ghetto and I'm like I'm so glad I didn't end up bringing the baby full term at that office I should have never treated on USF health they have never done me wrong I love them so um anyway no 
I actually made an appointment with USF Health after that and went to my regular people and they were so sweet. They actually gave me pain medication. The first lady didn't even give me pain medication. They gave me pain medication. They called to check up on me. Like it was night and day experience. Like sure, a miscarriage is sad, but like you can have a miscarriage and be sad and have all the support and help you need, or you can just feel like you're in it alone, which is the first doctor's office. Mm. And I remember reading about so many things. And from this experience, um, I love when people are transparent because my old supervisor's wife had told us, they both told us that they had suffered three miscarriages. So I did talk to her because I was like, I need the real deal. This doctor's told me nothing. And that's when she was like, yeah, you can get a second opinion. And so, and the other place was so great. And she just told me the real deal for what I could expect. And my other friend, who's had one and the more I talked to them the more I found out so many people have them it's just not something you talk about even in my Mm. friend group I just when it did when I did mention it the response I get was be like oh I I had no idea because it's like why would you like I'm not Mm -hmm. gonna like suddenly make a Facebook status oh I miscarried like or I'm going to miscarry (laughs) like it's just like it's just we're just living life so the night that right. it and happened, it was so early too. It was you know, so it'd be early. different if you were like eight months pregnant. Oh, and, and everybody knew. But right. I did have a plan because we were going to tell our family at large, like Thanksgiving, and I had already scheduled like a photographer so that we could tell everyone else at Christmas through Christmas cards and. I had to cancel that. You think I got my deposits back? No. Aww. So I was like, sorry, Miss Pierce. Hey. They were like, so sorry. But they weren't like, here's your 50 bucks back. Um, so <laughs> all that being said, the day, the night that it happened, so painful. I literally gave, I gave birth. I saw it. Doug and I buried it Um, later on. We had, uh, I tried to make it juicy, but he was like, girl, if you don't just bury it. I tried to play the little Taylor Swift song, Bigger Than the Sky, like goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. You were bigger than the whole sky. You were more than just a good time. I've got a lot to think about. I got it. I'm never going to forget the thing that could have been, should have been you. I was trying to, and he was just like, girl. Also, I wanted his parents' backyard because that's where they buried all their pets. And Doug was like, we're not burying it where the pets are. Like, F that. This is not a pet. And he put it on the other side of the yard. And now our child is lonely out there. The child could have been over there with the dogs and the cats. And he's like, no. Um, But all that being said, so painful. I remember like doing a silent scream and I didn't even know like I was screaming silently, but Mm. then it actually helped. And I'm like, oh, this is why women do this. Because when you like scream the muscles that contract, it helps it come out. I was like, okay. So that was uh, crazy. I remember sending Doug away to his parents' house and that's when he told his parents. Because I was like, babe, just leave. Like I... I can't have the energy to like deal with my pain and yours right now. So Um, just go there, tell them Sabrina hasn't been around because we knew she was going to miscarry. Like she's doing that right now. Why don't his parents just send him right back to me? So I'm in the bathroom. I'm throwing up because the pain is that bad. Like my body is convulsing. Like it is terrible. And Doug's just crying on the bed. And then the next day we helped our friend Sarah move. And I remember thinking, Oh, I guess the miscarriage is over. No, guys, it was a whole month of intense pain, random intense Mm. pain. It was like a month long period. I had one break the first week of December and then my actual period came. So last fall was not a vibe. First, I was stressed out because I was pregnant and I felt in my heart and soul like I wasn't ready to be a mom. Like I just wasn't ready. And then I was stressed out because I was losing the baby and I felt like, 
is this happening to me because I wasn't ready? Is it happening because I wasn't excited as I should have been? Is it happening because, you know, I didn't work out enough or do this enough? And there's like, there's nothing. There are Mm -hmm. people who are on crack cocaine for nine months and they have beautiful babies. Mm. It's just, it's just the way the cards were dealt. And I, there's so many things I learned about myself. Like I didn't take a day off work. Like literally I'd be like, it would be happening again because there's so much that needed to be expelled from my body. And I just like put my camera on mute or whatever. Granted, I was in a different position at that time. And the job that I had then was more like we were never on camera. I was doing a lot of writing, but just like also how could I take a time off? Because it wasn't like happening all day, every day. It could happen for two hours and I had to go in the shower and then like it then nothing. I would have no pain for three hours. You know what I'm saying? So Mm. I've, seen posts on LinkedIn about jobs who are creating spaces for women who are miscarrying. So you can take like FMLA because honestly, when I look back, I'm like, what the F were you thinking? You should have taken time off. Like if nothing else, just for your mental, I could not cry. I couldn't even go there emotionally until like five months after. And it just hit me out of nowhere the whole time from when the doctor told me from the whole month I miscarried, it wasn't until spring just because physically it was so demanding on my body. I just, it was like my brain and my spirit just couldn't even go there. Mm. I truly couldn't go there. And then like, I don't know what it was. Something happened. And then I was like, Oh, I'm crying. I'm, I actually do feel sad. <laughs> sad about it. <laughs> um, mm. but, but I just thought like, wow, so many people go through this. It's not, the same every time but I'm thinking now in the future if I ever try again I do have a sense of anxiety because I never want to go through that again but I also know it's out of my control not to mention being a parent is freaking hard and it's for somebody like me who's super perfectionist like I know there's so much of myself I'm gonna have to let go because I can't control it I can't control my birth I mean I can try to say I don't want a c-section or whatever but then again I also know I do kind of want one because it's gonna it might hurt like I can't control there's so many things you know maturity wise that are gonna have to happen over those nine months or maybe overnight or maybe not just my whole life I just bow to parents everywhere and I give so much shout, shout out to my husband and my family is really sweet about it um my husband's family was very sweet. Sharika, like, you know, they came and brought his mom made me my like favorite meal while I was miscarrying. And it was just a whole thing. But I just know once again, and Sharika and I have made jokes about this on the podcast. When you're a kid, they make it seem like you kiss somebody, you're getting pregnant. And mm-hmm. it is not freaking yeah. like that at all. Becoming a parent is a very challenging journey and it looks mm-hmm. different for everyone. And I encourage you to be transparent because if the people in my life hadn't been transparent, I wouldn't have, because my mom never had one. My aunts have never had one. Mm-hmm. I didn't, no one in my immediate family on my side or my husband's side had a miscarriage. But because I had people in my life that were like, I'm not going to be shamed by this. I'm not going to, you know, I don't even know how it came up in conversation with my old supervisor or his wife. But I remember hearing the story their baby popped into the toilet and they were like, it was so sad that all we could do was laugh. Like we literally laughed and the embryos, you know, it's just in the toilet. And I'm like, wow. At the time I thought that's a wild story. <laughs> when I was miscarrying, I was like, I'm so glad I know this story, <laughs> you know, mm. and just other friends who were transparent about it. So we went from fibroid awareness to childbearing years. So that's where I am 
at in my journey. I'm sure Doug and I will try again at some point. I was not in a rush. I've had like a designer that we love named Maria. She was telling me like, she tried as soon as your period comes back, you can try again. I know at least two people. Oh, her and the lady I get my massages from. They were like, I tried again, immediately got pregnant and it was fine. Full term. Love my child. Mm. I just didn't even... I changed jobs and I was like, oh, I want to get used to this new rhythm. We were doing this in our house and that. And I was like, I don't want to rush into this again. I don't Mm want to do it just because my age. When I try again, I want to feel like really ready. Oh, I feel like I talked for 20 minutes straight. I can't believe I got through it. Uh, Sharika, would you like to share what happened after your fibroid journey or your child bearing story? I know you alluded to a little bit of the fact that you have been trying and etc. Yeah. Yeah. So I, (laughs) unlike you wanted to have a natural birth, I'm the like, I wanted to have like a water birth or like a, um, you know, maybe go to a birthing center where you don't have to be in the hospital. Like I remember telling my mom that she was like, girl, you better go to that hospital and have a baby and not try to have no baby at nobody's house. What is wrong with you? But I just thought, like, I would watch, I don't know if y'all ever remember this, but on TLC, they used to have this thing called a baby story, and they would just show, like, literally the birthing process. And I just always found it to be beautiful to have, like, a at-home birth. I knew a friend that has several of her kids at home, and it just sounded ideal. So when I found out that after my surgery, I could not have, it was not recommended for me to have a natural birth that I would have to have a C-section. I was really disappointed because I was like, this is what I always imagined having. So my journey has been a rocky, rough one. Um, So like I said, it's probably 2018. I remember I was going on a family cruise and I thought, like I had, you know, I had been on birth control for probably maybe a year before I got married and then I was on birth control and then one day I was just like I don't really feel like renewing redoing I didn't really we we had always talked about getting pregnant and having kids but my husband's like you know whatever the Lord says whatever the Lord wants and I've always wanted to be a mom that's just something I, I just you know just thought would happen and like Sabrina was saying like I just thought you know you have sex, you have kids. Like that was just what I thought. So I got off the birth control, not really intending to necessarily start having kids, but also I was like open to it. It was like, whatever. So it was several, um, so several months had, or maybe a few months or whatever, maybe some time had went by and I didn't have a period. So I was like, oh, I'm getting ready to go on this trip. I have a doctor's appointment. I need to make sure that I'm not pregnant because it was like going you know, I'm going on a cruise. I don't know all the things, you know, this is my doctor's like, this is a, so I just went to the doctor's office to check and all that. They said I was not pregnant. And so I wasn't, so now there's a concern. Why are you not, you're not having a period, but you're not pregnant. All that to say, I found out I have a high prolactinemia, um, which is, um, so I needed to get on medication. Um, Basically it's like, there was a growth on my pituitary gland in my brain. So I need to get on medication to uh, basically get that together. So I did that. Uh, my periods came back. Everything was going. My doctor was like, you, you should be fine to get. My endocrinologist was like, you should be fine. He's the one that 
deals with that pituitary gland. So he was like, you should be fine to get pregnant. But as soon as you do get pregnant, you get off the medication or you contact me and we'll make sure you can safely get off the medication because you don't, you shouldn't be on the medication. So we did, I did like several week, year, year and a half of this and not because I, I, like I said at that time, I knew I wanted to have kids, but I wasn't like, oh, I'm ready immediately. So I was just like, you know, they tell you it could take up to a year to try or you should try up to a year. And then if you don't get pregnant naturally, you might want to go see somebody. So I probably did that and I wasn't stressed and I'm like, okay, whatever. Did that. Didn't get pregnant. So then I started going to the doctor. They're like, okay, you might need a little help with whatever. Here, let's put you on this medication. I got on Clomid for like two or three cycles. Um, During that time, I was getting checked, and that's when they saw I had polyps. They were like, oh, this could, you know, be interfering, so let's get rid of the polyps. So I got rid of the polyps. I got on the Clomid, which is Clomid is a medication that, Basically, um, you produce, you know, as a woman, you release eggs one on, you know, every other month you you do either side of the fallopian tube. And so with the Clomid, it makes you release on both sides every month. So they're like, oh, this kind of can increase your chances. And also it, you know, you there's a chance of multiples. I didn't care about that. I was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. So I did that for a while. It didn't work. I had the polyp surgery, didn't nothing change. They said, oh, you have fibroids, that might be the issue. So I did that, got that removed, um, still didn't work. Then, so this has now been a couple of years of all of this. They just, they said, okay, you might want to start going to, you might want to see a fertility specialist because basically we've done all we can do, you know, at your regular OB. Um, so you might want to go to fertility specialist. So that was a little disappointing because, you know, in my mind, I just thought this was going to be easy. Now we're going into at least two, two, three, two, maybe two and a half years of this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, all right, well, fertility specialist, I have hope. I have, um, maybe they can help me. Only thing that I was thinking of is like, I just don't want to have to do like IVF. Well, I don't say have to. I don't want my options, only option of becoming pregnant to be like IVF because I've heard how expensive that could be. And I just knew that fiscally was not re uh, uh, realistic for me. So um, I was just like, Lord, figure out something because I can't afford no IVF and I really want to be a mom. And so I started going to the fertility specialist. They decided to you know they they did um they checked my tubes like they did a um ultrasound but uh with dye and they put it through and you like to see like basically how open your tubes are well i found out both of my tubes are blocked so now i'm like this is annoying because one i've been doing all these things and the issue is my tubes are blocked so they're like my doctor was like, oh, before, oh, so I had went to, before I went to the fertility doctor that said my tubes were blocked, I went to another fertility specialist and I just didn't vibe with him. He, I don't know. He was, I don't know. I just felt like he was like, you need to lose weight. And once you lose weight, then we can talk about whatever. That was what he told me. He didn't see nothing. He didn't know nothing. He just basically was like, oh, you want to be pregnant? It'll be healthier for you to be pregnant at this weight. 
So I'm like, okay, let me lose weight. So I did. So I tried to lose weight for about a year and still trying naturally, but I tried to lose weight for about a year. And then I was just like, okay, I can be trying to lose weight, but I also need to just, I didn't vibe with that guy. So I was like, let me find another guy. And also when I would call that doctor's office, like you can never get anybody. It was always like annoying. So I call, I had just moved. And so now we're at like 2021 at this point. So I had just moved and I was like, you know what? Let me see if there's an office closer to my house. That'll be more convenient for me anyway, because these other people are just not doing it for me. And so I found another doctor. They answered right away. I was able to get in in a decent time frame. And I was like, you know what? Okay, let's see what this guy's saying. This guy was like, well, let's check everything. Um, and, um, then we'll see what we can do. And I was like, well, my doctor said my, the other guy was like, well, I need to lose weight. He was like, yeah, I mean, it's always healthier, but we also need to see what we're working with because, um, there might be other things we need to address. Lo and behold, he found out that my tubes were blocked and he was like, okay, well, we need to unblock your tubes because we, that's like, we got to do that. That has to be number one, because we can't figure out nothing else if nothing can get through these tubes. So last July, I had my tubes, um, They I had surgery too, and, and I think I had more fibroids of polyps, so he went in and did all the things. Well, he tried to, and he was only able to unblock one of my tubes, which was the left side, I believe, and so that was super disappointing coming out of that surgery because I was just like, oh, I just thought it would be easy for them to clear out both of my tubes, but for whatever reason, I just think it, it would, whether it was too much damage or whatever, or maybe it would be harmful for me, he was only able to, to unblock one, but he seemed very optimistic. And he was like, you know what? All you need is one. All you need is one tube. And I'm not, this is not discouraging to me. I think it'll be fine. Plenty of people have babies with one tube, multiple children. So I'm like, okay. So after a few, like I, there was a downtime and then after that I could, you know, go ahead and try again. So when that, as soon as that time to come to, tr was to try again, I was ready because I'm like, this has now been years of trying to have a baby. It's been one hiccup, hurdle, obstacle after another. And um, so I was just like ready now. So I'm like, okay. So I tried and tried and tried. Then I was um, I think during all this time too, my doctor had me on, like, put me back on Clomid. So, because like I said, you could don't, you naturally, you only alternate, you alternate every month, which side you will, uh, ovulate on. But because I only have one active side, if I'm on the medication, that means I have a chance every month. So my doctor was like, let's go for it. Let's do this. So I'm on this thing every month. And it's just, it becomes very overwhelming. Um, so it's like, you, like when you, when I start my period, I have to call my doctor's office and they have to schedule me in the office within the first couple days of your cycle. So as soon as I start, I have to call them, you know, because I have to get in within like at least two days or so, because you have to. They, so they, I go into the office. Once I get my appointment, I go in, they do an ultrasound to make sure that everything looks good, everything. And I don't, 
you know, that every to their eyes, everything was good. Once they say, okay, everything was good, they call the medication into the pharmacy. I go pick it up. Then I take the medication for five days. And there's different levels of the medication. I started with the lowest. And at the when I was going with it, I had gotten all the way up to the highest, which is like five pills for five days, five, five pills every day for five days. Then, um, then after a certain amount of days, then I go back into the office and then I get blood work. And then after the blood work, they tell me, okay, that looks good. Now I take another medication and I take that medication until I get pregnant or I'll, I'll take it. I would take it a couple of, um, until I get into my pregnancy for a few months, or if I don't get pregnant, then I will stop taking that medication. And it was to raise my progesterone levels because my he said my progesterone levels were low. So I would take that. And then once I started my period, then I would stop that. And then I would start that whole cycle again. So it was very daunting. Like, and mind you, you're tracking, um, you're, so I'm tracking my ovulation, doing that. Uh, every couple, you know, so it was just a lot. It was just a lot. It became almost like a part-time job trying to get pregnant, going for this day, do the test for the ovulation. Well, do the um, ultrasound, do the testing for the ovulation, go get the blood work, go get more, this other medication. It was just a lot. And it became, like I said, a part-time job and so consuming emotionally that it would just be a lot. It was a lot. Um, it's, it was just a lot. And it was so, um, cause it was like, it's like going on a roll. I felt like I was on a roller coaster, like go up, 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 like hoping, hoping, hoping I get, um, pregnant every month. I don't, then I'm down again. So then I'm every month is like this roller coaster with all these things. And it was, it, it was very consuming. It was very overwhelming. It was very difficult. It was very emotional. Um, and, and just, and to still every month, you know, not have the thing you've been praying for, hoping for, dreaming of, planning for was very difficult. Um, so it just became a lot, um, a lot of anxiety, started happening a lot of depression um so it was just a lot and I you know a lot on me so it's a lot on my husband because you know your partner wants to support you but it's you know and while he is here and I do have great friends um that prayed me through and would be with me through this whole thing it was still a journey that I was definitely um felt very alone in, in the sense of like, I'm living this roller coaster constantly. So it was, it's, it was hard and it was a lot. And I won't say it's not anymore. It still is. I'm not pregnant, still don't have kids, but I literally, um, over the past three months have just like stopped everything, um, just to like, take myself all off the ride. I just took myself off the ride because it was just becoming so much and just a lot. And it's, it's, and it's, I don't know, it's nothing you can, it, it, it's, 
I don't know. It, it's just something I didn't expect, didn't anticipate, didn't um, don't even know how to articulate sometimes. A um, lot of lot of crying, a lot of crying out to God, a lot of just really almost feeling desperate in a way. And so I just felt like, you know what? I need a reset. I'm not from this. I just need a reset my mind and heart. Um, and just this is this journey has really been uh questioning not my faith, but like what it means to trust God in the unknown and difficult times has been a lesson and you know it really has this is I know is a testimony in my life. I don't know how it will end, but I know that God will do something. What it is, I don't know. But it this is it, this is also something that I'm coming to understand. Like this is a part of my faith journey and part of, of my growing experience with the Lord. And so while it's been really hard, I'm I know in the end I can I I will I'm gonna be grateful and and that knowing that I'm going to be grateful has already started the gratitude in my heart about it. And um, I know that I will be praising the Lord because he is good, whether I have a child or not. And so it's just, it's been a, a lot. It's, it's something you, nobody really prepares you for or tells you it could be like this. You know, you just, you just, this is not the story that everyone tells. And it's a hard, because it's hard. And it's, you know, it's just a difficult personal journey. But, you know, like Sabrina was saying, like, it's important to talk about these issues, whatever these things are that we struggle through, because there are so many people that it could help. And just the information is important. Um, it's just important to know about your health and and how and how the struggles and the journeys of other people it it and it it only it not only impacts their lives but it can impact other people can encourage other people it can make other people feel not as alone and so um i know that this journey is not in vain it's not easy but it's not it won't be in vain and i know the lord will do something through to through me through me and for me through this so that's pretty much my journey through health and fertility and all that oh and what a journey friend um i think what you said is important about just how you can feel so alone in it it doesn't matter how many people you know love you or, or even people who may be going through something similar like it's still your unique journey and so yeah. leaning in to oh we talked about David earlier one of the things that you know I've always heard about why David's relationship with the Lord was so good and he's like a man after God's own heart is because he mm -hmm. didn't just lean in when things were good he leaned in when things were bad he'd be like um where are you I'm down yep. here I'm being crushed by the Buck in the mire. There's a whole book in the Bible, Lamentation. So 
absolutely when we are in these seasons like I know I just talked about but I'm just not I cry about like sunsets or like I see a beautiful dance piece it's like I move to tears or like a Beyonce concert but like really personal things I'm actually and I don't know if this is just an Enneagram one thing on what what I looked into it I usually try to like stuff the emotion down and just be more in my head and not in my heart about things and that's something else the Holy Spirit had to deal with me and like it's okay for this to hurt. You can cry. It is sad. Like you're not <laughs> like, you know what yes. I'm saying? So like me being okay with being like, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, you had these friends and I learned so many people that I know have had miscarriages through this, but like, it's okay that you feel alone, Sabrina, even with Doug beside you. Like I said, him crying on the bed, me in the bathroom, you know, I'm alone. Like you cannot be in my body with me, but the yeah. Lord knows The Lord knows, the Lord sees, and if nothing else, he is our strength when we Mm. are weak. And that is what I have, even now what I have to lean into being like, oh my God, being a parent scares a living Jesus out of me, but also like there is Jesus and he can give Mm. you whatever you need for any situation. Um, And especially the situations that aren't pretty and neither one of our situations are pretty, Sharika. They kind of suck. (laughs) suck big time um (laughs) uh but but god right that's the thing but oh my gosh sabrina i'm so glad you said that about the lamentations and just and that god is with us and he's going through because that was one of the things that i was also struggling with is like i'm a christian i trust god i believe in god how can i be upset right now how can i be brokenhearted right now and I know about the book of Lamentations, and I know that people cried out to God, but I thought, oh man, God will think I'm ungrateful for all the beautiful things that my life is. Yes, I don't have a child, and yes, I've been trying, but you know what? My life is still good. My life is very good. And how do I, how dare I get hung up about the hard things and the sad things of life? And it doesn't mean that you don't trust God, love God, or believe that things can or will get better. And God isn't looking at me like how, you know, your faith is in question. Right. It's a, it, 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 that's one of the things I've, you know, had really been learning on this journey. As a wrap, I just say, hey, if you're out there, you know anyone or you're, you're you yourself, you're going through a miscarriage or what I went through was called a miss miscarriage. I didn't even know that's the thing. That's when like your mm. body is just like, oh, we don't realize that we're not going to continue. It's weird because obviously part of my body knew because it stopped letting the baby develop, allowing the baby to develop, but also my body was holding on to it. So for like three to four weeks, I just had dead embryo inside of me. It's like, it's missed. It just doesn't let it go immediately for whatever reason. I'm sure there's a sermon in that too. If you're going through that and I uh, feel comfortable speaking for Sharika, even though she can speak for herself. um, I think if you're going through the things Sharika is going to, we're sharing this as a way to say like, yeah, we're ready to talk about it. We're open to talk about it. You don't have to be in it alone. Sharika, did I represent you accurately in that? If I didn't, please let me know. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) A lot of women suffer with infertility and um, thank God for medicine. There's a lot of options out there. Um, Not options are always, all the options are not always easily accessible, Mm. um, but the journey is 
a, can be a long one, can be an emotional one. Um, and there are, I'm open to talking about it. And then there's a lot of women online, YouTube that share their journey and their story. So there are women out there who are open to and have shared. And if you, you know, want a space to go so you're not alone or maybe hear something you haven't heard or learn something new, you know, check out YouTube or you can talk to me. Amen. Well, 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 what a journey. I still wish Evie was with us because I feel like once again, he would have some great insights to share about yeah. his own um journey to fatherhood. What is it this fall? Yeah. And we have months. already decided we're going to redo our intro so that, <laughs> um yeah, he will be father Evie. <laughs> Did we say father <laughs> or papa? Uh I liked father because it made me think of like a priest. <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> Shout out I like to the that. priest. Oh, I love it. All right. So um, for our scripture funnies, I guess we go from a like hard topic to the scripture funnies, but I think that's just life. Uh, yep. <laughs> we talked about. You take about- the good, you take the bad, you take them both and there you have. And the honestly, I think that's how you get the beauty, right? Like mm-hmm. that's there's that whole contrast with the sunshine and the rain and blah, 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 blah. But that can be a conversation for another day. We realized that we've already gone quite long. Uh, this can be take up for some of the time last summer when we didn't drop any episodes. How about that, Sharika? Um, How about it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Proverbs 21, 19. I've always thought this was hilarious, uh, especially in light of like the heavy thing we talk heavy things we talked about when it comes to just being a woman and living in this body and turning to motherhood all that stuff it says better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife <laughs> so you people out there married and i'll say this uh to the husbands too and vice versa mm. that's not mm-hmm. what the bible says let us not just, you know, let me not miss her. The Bible doesn't say this, but Sabrina says, in general, when you can be supportive, or even if you can't, you are human, which means that your brain has the ability to learn and capacity, support your partner so that they won't be that nagging, quarrelsome person. <laughs> um, because mm-hmm. the Bible says it's better to live in the desert. Like no one wants to be around that negative energy and all of that so as yourself do the things you have to do so that you are bringing love light and positivity to your partner and do the things that you can do to support your partner through the hard times so that they can be their best show up as their best selves for you sharika i feel like we already expressed so much but girl you want to express anything else the mic is yours um I just had a short express. It was about grace and Mm. just about how we need to be better at extending grace to other people in the sense of we don't know what people are going through. And sometimes people do stupid things. We talked about that at the top of the episode. Sometimes people are, you know, just terrible, mean, and you know, not that we need to excuse it, but sometimes we just need to be gracious and let God handle it. He knows what they're going through and he knows mm-hmm. the best, whether it's whether they need judgment, whether they need forgiveness, whether he got it, let the Lord handle it. 
but also extend some grace to yourself. Sometimes, sometimes we're very hard on ourselves. Sometimes we, um, you know, compare ourselves. Sometimes we just don't always see ourselves in the light of the Lord or in the eyes of the Lord. And we need to extend some grace to ourselves. You know, God is so gracious to us and yet sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. And if God can be gracious to us, we can be gracious to ourselves as well. Girl, I miss exactly. Um, this episode's already so long, but your expresses reminded me of another scripture funny. We've probably already done it in this series, but the story when the man was like in so much debt and he was mm. forgiven and then mm-hmm. he turned around and the people who owed him, he was literally yep. choking them. It's like, yep. sir, you were just shown grace and you were just forgiven. And now you're going to turn around and choke the people who owe you, you less How than what you owed. I always thought like, okay, maybe he did that because he thought to himself, I almost died because y'all didn't give me what you owed me. Had y'all paid me, I would have like maybe been able to put a dent in what I owed. So I was like trying to have compassion, but also like, sir, you don't owe anyone anything else anymore. How? And then after that, didn't they say since you did that, now you owe everything? Yeah, I I never, you know, that's an interesting perspective that you thought, well, that it was causing him stress. I never even thought about that before. I just thought like, dang, sir, you you know, some people just, you want to, some people like to hold things over other people's heads. And you, you, even though you were forgiven, you're like, but yet and still, I, I still want my money. How dare you, sir? Yeah, I did feel that way for him. I'm like, he felt like he was blaming them. But also, mm-hmm. like Sharika said, give grace mm-hmm. and be willing to receive it. Well, I'm just in a sermon mood, I guess. I I need to stop because we don't have it all day. Uh, I do have... Yeah, I might need a word. Listen, somebody might need a word. Okay, I'm going to go back because I just felt very led to say that and I wanted to lean in. Then I pulled back, but the Holy Spirit in you is saying to the Holy Spirit in me, let's talk about it. So it. Uh, both ways can be hard, right? Sometimes it can mm-hmm. be hard to be that person who's forgiving. Um, but I found that a lot of times when I'm feeling that way about other people is because there are things in my life that I don't feel like I deserve forgiveness for. Mm. So in the same way, like be willing to receive grace and yeah. liter- and and truly move on. Mm. Like otherwise, why celebrate the death and the resurrection if you're not going to lean into the gift of what it means for your life, mm. which is freedom and Christ, which is life more abundant, which is not having like to live the law and perfection over. You don't have to carry that burden. Jesus did it on the cross. So yeah, every day, especially as salvationists, we are striving for holiness. And I do feel like that's something in this life you can, it is not easy and it's not something that you can do every day, but like, it is something that you can definitely strive for. But when you miss the mark also, it's okay. Like there is only one God who has a hell to put you in and he died on the cross so that he doesn't even have to put you there. So don't do that to yourself. I don't know who needed that word today, but it's out there. Girl, I needed that word today, and I appreciate it because (laughs) I just, you know, as long, you know, in in the fertility journey, I've been also going through another journey that has been equally and sometimes a little bit even harder. And one day I'll get into that. Um, But I said to my husband, like, I'm just nervous to make the wrong choice in this matter. 
And he said, God's grace is sufficient. If you make a mistake, the Lord's grace is sufficient. He can cover that. He got it. And I was just like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Okay. I I love when a husband comes through with a word from the Lord. Okay. I don't know why. It's one of the like most exciting things. Maybe because I feel like it is like the order and not I'm not saying you can't be a strong woman woman anyone who knows mm-hmm. me knows I'm strong my mom sister the friends that I have I'm all about strong women but there's something to me about when that man is like being that head of like the spiritual head that is just like listen preach to me husband I love it yes and the <laughs> ministry of the ministry of marriage yes like, you don't all like you know sometimes you know you just be doing the thing you be living the life but sometimes, and you might get the you might get the the preaching or the word from church or, or a friend might speak into you, but it's nothing like when your partner speaks the word into you. It's just a different thing. It hits different. It really does. Say it again. It hits different. Ooh, that needs to be a name of another episode. Not this one, <laughs> but oh, <laughs> one more thing before we get to the recommends. Welcome to our three hour long episode. Um, so you said at the beginning you didn't have a song, but you talked about how hot it was. And Chris Brown dropped a song called Summer Too Hot. I love the vibe, but I can never let it be my temp because the lyrics are so outrageous. Like, Chris Brown, are we ever going to graduate from this season? I understand, like, you know, our certain, like, genres, they do like to sing about certain topics. But it's, like, almost 10, 20 years later, and you're still singing about grinding on people at the club and all this other stuff. But the vibe of that song is everything, Sharika. So if we could just take... Oh, because it just dropped. It maybe dropped this month. Summer Too Hot. And... This sounds crazy, but I love the way he says bubble butt in the chorus. I don't even know what a bubble butt is. He's like something about the shorty with the bubble butt. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, golly. Now I'm caught up in it. But it is, uh, if you had a temp check, that might be it. Just the instrumental. <laughs> Not the okay. Um, I'll take it. I don't want y'all. Oh, gosh, I forget. Our pastor listened to this. Pastor, don't judge me on those lyrics. I said the instrumental. <laughs> all right so for my recommends um when I was talking to my former supervisor's wife at my old job who had gone through this herself she sent me a really good website with uh, the women's ministries where she lives and it is called the Hannah service and it's all about working through infertility pregnancy mm. and infants infant loss support And it is something that they're doing in her church, in her area, in their women's ministry. Um, October is actually Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Also, the month I found out I was going to be having a miscarriage, oddly enough. But they know that, like, this is a uniquely common occurrence that one in four women experience this sort of grief, infertility, loss, all of that. And they just want to acknowledge it. And the Hannah service is an experience that gives space and opportunity through biblical scripture reading and singing and sharing and commemorating activities. She told me, oh my gosh, I don't want to get emotional on the pod, that she named every child that she lost, all three, and Mm. she holds them in her heart. And while I can't say I feel the same, like I had some close people in my life reach out to me on Mother's Day and they're like, you're still a mom. And I didn't want to like discredit their heart in it, but I am like, I am not like, I didn't have a heartbeat. I'm good. Like, 
it actually made me feel kind of awkward, but there is a space for that. And I can't say I'll always feel that way. Sometimes things for me come, like I told you, it took six months for me to shed my first tear. And I was like, oh, snap. I would have had, oh, I was going to have a baby, (laughs) you know? So I love that they do this. Um, Even though this is a service that they do, they had the whole guide for that service on this website. So you can get the PDF. It's something that you could do in your own church. Sharika is something that we could ask our new pastors at that some point, we could hold a Hannah service in our church. Now, Hannah, we can get into that. Yeah, we'll get into who Hannah was and the Bible and all that at another time, because this is really long. But I'd encourage you, if this is a space that you are in, have been in, or you know someone who's in, in love, reach out to them with this resource. It spoke to my soul. Uh, Sharika, what are you recommending today? Uh, mine is on a totally different note. That's fine. Was, I did the bubble bet, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a show that I watched this past weekend on Netflix called Survival of the Thickest. And I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I just felt like the message was about loving yourself, accepting yourself, and, and just go like if you're gonna go hard go hard for yourself don't accept less and just like do you and be proud to be you um you know and i i just felt it was funny it was cute it was all the things and it was on netflix love it i'm excited you and flo were talking about that and i was like did i hear them right did they say survival of the thickest sounds like a good time yep Yep, it was. And it was really good. Um, Women empowerment had a lot of empowerment for people, different genders, um, all the things. So yeah, if you're interested in something like that, it was really, I thought it was really good and um, a good time. So friend, I know we've been here for a long time. We've probably talked about all the things. Anything else you wanted to add before we head out? No, love God, love people. Okay. Jesus is a reason for the season. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, there's nothing that will get me um, evangelizing more than some demonic stories. Okay. I don't know how I even tied to this. I was on something the other day. Oh, I think it was just on Facebook. Oh, one of those like Bible meme things I follow. And they were like, share an experience you've had with like demonic forces. And like hundreds of comments were all this. And I'm like, Sabrina, you know how you are. Don't get into these comments. Mm -hmm. But I'm in the airport. My flight is delayed. I'm like, well, I'll just scroll some. And girl, I was like, I'm already a Christian. I'm about to rededicate my life today. (laughs) One thing thing I saw that was consistent in the comments um, was demons always flee at the name of Jesus, like dark. Another thing that was consistent was like, don't be playing around with like the occult and witchcraft and stuff. Like we know that God has power and the Bible speaks about the other power. Nowhere near compare to God's power, but like it's real. So you don't have to war. Right. It's literally war. So you don't have to be curious, dive in. Like all you need to know is God said, Hey, just don't get into it. Cause a lot of the people in the comments who, have dealt with that. We're talking about their experiences and how crazy it got. The first thing I realized is, and I'm about to sound like a boss, but I'm not really, because I guess I would be afraid in real life. But like, it seems like all they can do is like laugh and like be a shadow figure and like run around your house. 
I'm like, why is that scary? Like, everyone was just saying, no one said something like, oh, it picked me up and threw me down or da-da-da-da. It's just like, oh, I saw it. It hovered over my bed. It was under the bed. It was in the corner. It was in my child's room. We had to pray and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm like, honestly, maybe I won't be afraid. Maybe I'll be like, is that the best you have in Jesus' name? Like, okay, you can be a shadow over there. (laughs) You know, it just seemed kind of crazy. But I digress. Let us end this episode. Oh, guys, we left you with a whole lot. We gave you a A whole lot. lot. We gave you a lot to ponder. We gave you a lot to think on, pray on, laugh about, cry about. We gave you all the things. So you got a full experience today. We want to send our love and shout out to our brother EB as always. Mm -hmm. And we just thank y'all for your time and share the podcast. And lastly, if life tries to knock you down, make sure you kick back.